0: Found yourself asking life's toughest questions and never knowing what to do? Well fasten your seatbelts and a hold on to your armrests because you tune into the game show where you find out all the answers. So let's play What's God's Will! like I'm ready for a game show now. We all want to know the answer to that question, don't we? We all want to know, God, what's your will? Because what we've learned through life is this, is that life is ultimately a culmination of a whole bunch of decisions. And many of those decisions we've made just completely on our own, not really thinking about God or anybody else, and we just made them. And we look at how those turn out. And sometimes we make other decisions, and, and, and we look back at our decisions, we saw some of them were really, really wise, some of them were really, really Unwise. Some of them, some of them we didn't know. We just made them on a whim, but they turned out to be genius, didn't they? I look at some of my, and those, that's when you know the grace of God hit your life is when you are. Um, let's just, when you're dumb but you make brilliant decisions. And you didn't even know it was brilliant at the time. I have so many of those. When I was a young man, I made a few brilliant decisions, but I didn't know they were brilliant at the time. I just, dumb luck, stumbled into them, and that's what we call the grace of God. So we have all these decisions that we make, and life kind of culminates, and where we're at now is based on all those decisions. And we all, hopefully, are at a point now, that's why you're here today, hopefully, is that you're wanting to discover, wait a minute, what if I don't do life on my own and make decisions on my own, but rather, what if I submitted my life and my heart to God and wanted His best for my life, And here's what I've determined, is that God's best for my life is better than my best for my life. I've learned that my best for my life is is dreamed up based on what culture says and dreamed up on on many times selfish desires or or vain pursuits. And actually, if I got all that I really, really wanted in those desires, I'd probably wreck myself. But when I find God's desires in, in my life, I find that's the sweet spot. That's what we call the will of God. It's the sweet spot of life where we're doing things God's way and according to God's plan and making godly decisions. And when we have that, that's when life is good. Because how many of you can relate when you, you knew you weren't in the will of God and life was kind of spiraling out of control a little bit. And then you had those moments where you're like, wow, look how God brought it all together. Well, in this series, we want to discover how do we find out what God's will is. And last week, if you weren't here, please go get a, a CD if we have one. I'm not sure if we had a CD for last week. I think there was an error. But listen, we, we set the tone and we, we, we lay the foundation that number one is if we will give God our heart first and foremost, not trust our heart. Because the Bible says that our human heart can be wicked and evil sometimes. But if we will trust God with our heart and as we lean to him for understanding that he will begin to make our path Clear, that's what we all want. We all want the path to be clear so that when we get to all those life decisions, where do I work, who do I marry, what should be my major, What's, what about this thing, what about that thing, should I pull the trigger there, should I go to that venture, should I move to that city, we'll find ourselves right in the sweet spot of life. Today we are going to talk about something a little bit more specific inside of God's big picture and his plan and his will for your life, and it's this, I wanna answer the question, what do you do when you got to make a decision on Tuesday? Because it's it's easy for a preacher to get up and say, well, yeah, you need to give God your heart, and you need to and all that is absolutely true, but everybody say but. But when like life has a deadline and pressure is mounting and you need to make a decision yesterday. You need to know what to do, and I'm going to share with you a very very simple and a very very practical application from scripture. It's going to be so simple that the temptation that you will have will be to like overlook it. You can be like, well, I mean, you know, everybody knows that. No, 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 here's the problem is that oh, although everybody knows it, not everybody does it, or if they do it, they might not do it really, really well. So right now, let's answer the question, what do you do when you got a deadline? Let's pray before we look at the scripture. Father, we pray that you would speak to us today. God, through your words, through scripture, God, through your Holy Spirit, God, do what it is that you do. We pray that you would turn the light switch on that, God, something would click in us, that something would, would transpire today, that when we walk out of these doors, we would live life differently and experience the sweet spot of life. God, that's our prayer today in Jesus' name. We all said? Amen. Hey, so if you have your Bible, go to 1 Kings chapter 12, and I want to look at this really, really simple but fascinating principle, and God does an incredible job through this story here of kind of laying it out for us. 1 Kings chapter 12, if you have your Bible, Let me give you the backdrop before I read this, because it's important to know what I'm reading to you. So when the nation of Israel was formed, they went a long time with no king at all, and they were just kind of like a big giant tribe living in that land, and finally they said, we really want a king. So they elected this guy named King Saul, who turned out to be kind of a... A bad king. It didn't didn't go real well. So after that, he's replaced by a guy named King David, a a guy that if you read the Bible, there's, there's as much written about David as there is any other person throughout the Bible probably. And so King David was a great king, but he ended up having a very, very funky and dysfunctional family. Yeah, he loved God, but man, he made a couple of bad decisions and his family dynamic and his family dysfunction was great. If you think your family is nuts, go read David's life. You will feel better about yourself. So he has a son named Solomon. Solomon, the Bible says, is the wisest man who ever lived, and he ended up accumulating so much wealth and prosperity that he was basically the richest man in all the earth during his time. But, everybody say but. There's always buts in scripture. Always like, it's going good, and then it turns bad. At the end of Solomon's life, he starts making some boneheaded decisions. Although he was really, really wise, what you're gonna learn is this, is that sometimes knowing what to do and being able to do what is right are two very, very different things. How many of you have ever been there before? Did something crazy? And it's not that you didn't know better. There was something else that caused it to do it. There was an addiction, there was a temptation, there was an emotional attachment, there was something that superseded wisdom. So whatever was going on in Solomon superseded the amazing wisdom that he had and he ended up just kind of turning away from God, serving false idols, and here's what happened. God said, you know what, I'm gonna take the kingdom from you. Now, because of your dad, I'm not gonna take it all because I told him I'd give him the kingdom forever. So I'm not gonna take the whole thing away. I'm not even gonna take it away from you because of your dad. But in the generation to come, I'm going to take away part of the kingdom. And so Solomon has a son named Rehoboam. Everybody say Rehoboam. That's not a normal word. We don't use that name ever. Nobody, I don't think you have your kid named Rehoboam. So, and here's why it's because Rehoboam turned out to show us the good side and the bad side of this unique principle. Rehoboam was supposed to take over as the king, and when he does, he makes a brilliant decision and then turns it into a terrible decision. This is the story. Are you ready? First Kings chapter 12, the Bible says that Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him what? King. Remember, he was going to be the king. So when Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he was still in Egypt when he had fled from King Solomon, he returned from Egypt. So they sent for Jeroboam and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said this. So here's the deal. This is the picture. Rehoboam is about to become the king. These leaders come to him and this is the request they give to the new king. They say, your father put a heavy yoke on us. But now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. See, Solomon, towards the end of his reign, ended up turning Israel into a war machine. He was building chariots, and he was raising horses. He was sending out military goods to all these surrounding nations. He was marrying foreign women and serving idols. He had these huge building campaigns. He had forced labor. So he basically taxed them for all these building projects then he made them work for all these building projects and all the big war machine that he had created so again at the end of his life he went astray from God's ways and he basically put a heavy burden on the people so the people are saying hey look your dad was great No, trust me I'm sure he was fantastic but but if you could lighten our load man that would be huge and we promised we would serve you so Rehoboam answered and says go away for three days and then come back to me so the people went away Then King Rehoboam, this is the brilliance, consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. And if you're an underlining Bible person, you need to underline this next phrase. He asked the question, how would you advise me? That's the question. How would you advise me to answer these people? He asked them, and they replied, well, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them, and give them a favorable answer. They will be your servants. Everybody say servants. This is a side note. This is totally for free. But some of you, especially you dads or, or husbands, you need, to, you need to get this. There's a principle throughout scripture that God lays out. And it's a principle of servant leadership. If you, if you were a Bible guy and you were reading this verse, you'll notice that like the, the word serve jumps out three, four, five times in just two verses. The, the, the way of God is the way of servant leadership. Jesus goes on to say this same principle when he's talking to his disciples. A couple of his disciples are like, hey, would you give us a lot of power? We want to sit at your right hand and left hand, and we want to rule and dominate. And he goes, that's not the motive that you want in your heart. He said, the the Romans work like that. The Romans actually work like a powerful dictatorship, and they lord it over people. But it shall not be so among you, but you shall be their what? What? servants, and the one who serves. Listen, he goes on to to basically say the same thing that you're seeing in this scripture. Guys, especially you who are husbands and dads, you need to listen to me. The way of God is servant leadership. It is not power, it is not manipulation, it is not control. It is not being a ruthless dictator. No, no, no. It is the way of serving, and I guarantee you guys, this is just a freebie. Learning how to serve your spouse and learning how to serve your family will elevate you to the highest level of influence in their lives. That's a freebie. That was for somebody. I don't know who. Let's go on with what we really want to talk about. So verse 8, this is where Rehoboam loses his mind. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, what's your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? So the young man who had grown up with him, they replied, well, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now go tell them this. My little finger... It's thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke, but I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. We can see what he's saying. He's saying, if, if you thought my dad was hard, you have no idea what's coming. So three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam, as the king had said, when he said, come back in three days. And the king answered the people harshly rejecting again, it says it again, and rejecting the advice given him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men who said, my father made your yoke heavy, I will make it easier. My father scourged you with whips, I'll scourge you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people. And here's what's fascinating. For this turn of events was from the Lord to fulfill the word of the Lord. You know what you see fascinating here? Remember last week, we learned that God's will, that there's a providential will. Meaning, like, God is sometimes is going to do what he wants to do, when he wants to do, how he wants to do it, and you have no say in it. Not a vote. He did not take an opinion poll, so he don't care. He's got an agenda. That's his providential sovereign will. But there's also his moral will. We talked about that. There's certain commands that God says, you know, you don't have to, have to pray about, you know, leaving your wife for another woman. Like, God, should I? That's, you don't have to pray that prayer. The moral will of God has already laid out. That you don't commit adultery. That's is a no-brainer. You don't have to ask anybody advice on that. You don't have to seek God about that. That's already laid out in God's moral. But then there's that personal will. That's what we're all really trying to discover, isn't it? God, what is it specifically that you want for my life inside of these circumstances and these events? How do you want... And what you find in this story is is, is fascinating. It's because at one play, God's sovereign work is at hand, isn't it? He was going to go ahead and take the kingdom anyway. But what you find hidden in it is also this personal will. But Rehoboam had the ability to make his own decision, and he chose wrongly. Now, here's the principle that we're going to learn about today. When you think about this, this is the thing I want you to take note on, is that God uses the counsel of older, wiser believers to put you into his will. That's the principle you see at play, isn't it? First he goes to the elders. He says, how would you advise me? And they give him the correct advice. But he goes on and he disregards it and goes on and listens to the young men and the, the advice that they gave him. The, the point that I want to tell you is this. is When you've got a deadline to make and you've got a, 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 a decision that you need to make in a hurry, your best bet is to actually go and find wise counsel and ask them to speak into your life, and God will use their counsel to help you get into His will. Has anybody ever experienced that where you had an older, wiser person that you went to during a time of need, and it was, and it wasn't like you went to him and said, "Hey, you know, just so you know, I really need God to speak through you right now." I hope you didn't say that to him; that'd be weird, but. But you knew they were wise counsel. You knew that God had put them in your life. You knew they were maybe a mentor, or a father figure, or just a wiser person, and you went to them. And sometimes it's even more practical. Sometimes it's just a person that's further along in life than you are. They're where you want to be in life. And you just said, hey, can you help me get to where you're at? Can you speak into this decision? And, and we start, at, what would you do? How would you advise me? And, you, and, and it's just these conversations you find these nuggets of gold, these little, these little gems of brilliance where you're like, that's it. And there you see the importance of this thing called wise counsel. But we've also had times where we did the opposite, didn't we? Here's how I know this principle's true. It's because I end up counseling people in the midst of their dysfunction. Because when it all falls apart, they come see me, which I love, I'm all for. But usually when you hear, and you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about, you will hear somebody's story of craziness, and you will hear the, uh, you know, the craziness that unraveled in your life, and you'll sit back and say this kind of question to yourself. You would think, okay, anybody with any level of objectivity and just a little bit of common sense would have never done that. You ever been there? When you had a friend in a, in a situation, not you, of course, but other people. You had a friend in a situation, they did something, and you were like, why in the world would they do that? And, and then... And then you kind of, you know, this is what I do when I counsel with people. I ask them the question, did you ask for anybody's advice before you made that decision? And the answer is always what? No. No. It's like, did you consult with anybody? Did you talk to anybody first? Did you, did you go and have anybody speak into that before you made that decision? And the answer is always no. And here's what's funny, too, about Christians. If I ask a Christian this, they'll say, well, well no, but I prayed about it. Yeah, because prayer's the default to everything in Christianity, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's not. You know what the answer that God wants us to lean on that's even more practical than praying about it? Is seeking wise counsel. And some of y'all are, you need to follow with me here real quick here. Hearing from God is subjective. Un- let me put it like this. Unless you hear an audible voice and five other people around you heard the same audible voice and confirm what you heard, Like hearing from God is subjective. This is proof of it. How many of you ever had kind of like that goofy friend that heard from God 10 times a day and they would say, well, God told me to and then they went and did it and it turned out to be a disaster? It's proof. Hearing from God is subjective. Like if you think you heard from God, the first thing you need to do is go, number one, check it against all of what scripture says and then go seek wise counsel because hearing from God is subjective. It's not crystal clear 100% and the reason why is because it's filtered through your own heart, your own mind and your own subconscious. That's why when you hear the voice of God, it sounds like your own consciousness, doesn't it? I mean, God doesn't speak to you with like a Latin accent, does he? No, it sounds like, because it's, you get it, right? But this is what I run into, especially, you know, really, really honed in spiritual Christians, they're like, well, no, but I prayed about it. You know what the real answer was? Go seek wise counsel, because when you need to make a decision quick, here's the deal, you and I are not objective enough to make those decisions on our own. We're not objective, are we? Let me tell you why I know we're not objective. You ever made a relationship decision on your own? You were in no way objective. Like you're in love, being in love is one of the most cloudy, foggy experiences you can ever have in life. Can I get an amen out there? You can't see straight, you don't know what two plus two is anymore. We are so lost into the, the romance and the infatuation and the puppy love, we cannot tell day from night anymore. We're not objective. We, we, you ever dealt with like family members, family members that are mad and offense and this and why? There's too much emotion, and the emotion clouds the situation to where you can't see it for what it is anymore. There is no, or, or it just happens like this. Some of you out there are, are are terrible with money, and all of a sudden you've got a big financial decision to make it should not be you on your own making those decisions. If you're not good with finances, you need to go find somebody that is and start asking them, hey, what would you do? How would you advise me? How can you help me out through this situation? Because I don't wanna make a mistake, and and again, I'm not objective enough to really make a great decision when it comes to finances. Sometimes we do this in our business or sometimes we do, you know, like parenting. Like we think because we were kids once, we're like, oh, I got that. I was a kid once, I know how to do parenting. No, that means you know how to be a kid. That doesn't mean you know how to be a parent. And so, when it comes to our parenting decisions, we just we're not objective. We see our we're blind about the way that we see our kids. Either they're way worse than we they really are, or they're angels and they're really not. I mean, either way, we've we've lost it. And so, the best thing we can do is go seek wise counsel. Now, now here's here's the thing. Do you know the number one person who rammed this thing through and said you gotta use wise counsel? You got? Do you know who the person that said that the most was? It was Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived, other than Jesus. I mean, like, if anybody didn't need to use wise counsel, who was it? Solomon. But who was the one that said, no, if you, you, you ever do anything again, always use wise counsel. Let's look at these scriptures. Check this out. Proverbs 1.5. A wise man will increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain what? Wise counsel. This isn't like a couple verses. We could, go, we could go for a long time. Proverbs 12.15. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Another one, where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Proverbs 19, listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. Proverbs 11, where there is no wise counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Last one, Proverbs 15, again, there's more, I just, I can only go for so long before you check out on me. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Here again we see God using this principle. So if you want to know how to discover God's will and you want to know how to be in God's will, I'm telling you this principle is this. You need to depend on wise, now some of you are kicking back on me. You're like, "Well, I remember I went to a counselor one time, and they told me this." And listen, I'm not. Sometimes even inside of Christianity, it can get real goofy, where you have like a downline, where you have people that, you know, she goes to this one, and he goes to this one, and then there's like a controlling. No, avoid that like the plague. I'm not saying be weird. I'm not saying be goofy. I'm not saying turn your life over completely. Other, I'm not saying any of those things. What I'm saying is this: is that you will find God placing wise people into your life and God wants you to turn to them in these moments when you have to make tough decisions i I look at my life all the time i was just talking to a a a couple of young people in their 20s and we were talking about investing and retirement and stocks and how all that works and they're in their 20s and they're wanting to get going in that and i have started sharing with some of my experiences and some of the wisdom that i've attained and you know what my wisdom is i my dad was a great investor. My dad was a great businessman, and super, super smart. And so, you know, on and on and on, dad would advise me and tell me what to do with my money or how to invest it or what to do with it, and I promise on my life, every time I followed my father's wisdom, it worked out perfectly. But you know, as a young man, you feel the need to like, you know, stretch your wings, try some things on your own, be your own man. That's stupid is what I've learned. Um, because every time I did something that was, because I would even take these things, these ideas that I had, I'd take them to my dad, and he'd be like, no, nah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I'd be like, but dad. I mean, And we get this thing, is, if you're a young person out there, you do, you, you get this, this naive thing about you where you think, well, you know, you're an older guy. I mean, you don't know what it's like now. And it, every, time I, every time I disregarded my father's advice, I lost money. (laughs) I mean, it just didn't work out. It wasn't a good idea, and I just learned. You know what, Todd? He he's smarter than you. Do what he says to do, and I just learned. I'm going to try. When it comes to financial advice and financial wisdom, I am going with what Dad said. It always just worked out better. On and on through life, I see this. I have another young man, and and he came to me, and he basically came to me with this big life decision, whether he was going to go here or whether he was going to go there. And I thought his idea was ridiculous. And I told him that, and I I tried to be nicer than just telling him he was ridiculous, but I I tried to be nice about it. I said, hey, look, and you know what the advice I gave him was? I said, hey, I want you to go find five people that you think are godly, wise, older men that can speak, this is a young man, that can speak into this decision. And I said, I dare you to do this, and I will promise you, you will not find one of them to agree with your decision. He went out, he got two neutrals and three no's. And he still did it anyway, (laughs) which is proof that Rehoboam, see, you got to think about Rehoboam. Rehoboam was put into a situation. He went to the older men, and they said, hey, you need to go ahead and, you know, lighten the load. Serve them. Be good to them. And watch, they'll repay you. But I guarantee you, think about the insecurity of the young man. Well what if I do that? Maybe they'll think I'm weak. If I do that, maybe they'll think I'm a pushover. So therefore I'm going to have to flex my muscles and look. He, now who had the most perspective? The elders who advised the king before or the young men who grew up with Solomon? Who had more perspective? Who had more experience? Who had more just life experience? Who had more experience in the kingdom? Who had more who the older men did clearly. And see, this is the trap you and I fall into, is sometimes we will go to our our friend who's as dumb as we are to get advice. That's what Rehoboam did, didn't he? He goes, hey, I'm going to go to the young men. They're just as dumb as I am. They have no experience leading a kingdom, but I'm going to go with what they said. And sometimes we do that. Sometimes guys will, our wife's in our mind, she's tripping and flipping out and this and this and this. So we go to our friend who's, who's been through you know, four divorces already, and he's, he's more dysfunctional than you are, and you start venting your story to him, and he's like, well, you know what I'd do? I'd go tell her to, you know. Whatever. And you're like, yeah. Yes, you're right. Are, are you hearing me? Like, like, the, like, the best thing that you can do is to go find people who have what you want in life and say, can I just sit and soak it up? Can I just sit and, and glean? Can I sit and ask some questions? This is the key to, to finding out and discovering God's will is leaning on the advice and the wisdom of wise counsel. I want you to know, as a pastor, I do this, like, for this church. We have a couple of men in this church who operate as elders and advisors, and I don't make unilateral decisions around here. Why? because I know I'm not that smart. I'm not smart enough to make completely isolated, unilateral decisions with no input whatsoever. I'm just not. And Solomon, even though he was the wisest man in the world, he didn't think he was either. Are you, are you hearing me? Like, like, so when we make decisions around the church here, like, I'll get a, an unction, I'll feel led by the Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll just, you, whatever it is, I'll wanna go do something and try something, and immediately I think, okay, let me go talk to the board. And let me just, and they're a board of advisors, and I just get to run things by them and bounce things off of them. And if they say no or if they say slow down, it's a clear indicator for me. Okay, maybe I just had some weird pizza the night before. You know, like maybe that's not God. You know, maybe that's just a whim. Maybe that's an emotional thing. Maybe there's something I'm not, maybe it's just not the right timing. But God has placed wisdom uh, around me. I need to tap into it and I need to take access to it. And so, again, Let's move forward now. So the question is not, should we use wise counsel? Now the question becomes, what counsel should we use? Because some of you do have a kickback. You're like, well I remember, I did that once and it backfired, I did that once and it blew up in my face. I'm not saying all counsel's good. Remember the young men's advice was awful. So if you keep going to awful counsel, you will get awful advice and then make awful decisions and then you'll have an awful life, it's it's awful. So here's the blueprint that I wanna give you. Number one is this. When we think about who it is that we wanna have as godly counsel, wise counsel in our life, number one is this, is choose someone who has nothing to lose by telling you the truth. What I've always found is this, is that when you go to people who either have a lot to gain or a lot to lose in the decision, they can't be objective either. Does that make sense? I remember as a young man, I was going to go take a job, but the, the guy that I would normally lean on for counsel, I worked for him. So how how you know, like, going to him for counsel, I don't know if he's, you know, it could be that he so wants me out the door that he says, yeah, you should do that, or it could mean that he doesn't want me to leave at all, so I'm not going to encourage him. So, like, people that have a vested interest are sometimes not the best people. You need to find somebody that says, no matter what you do, whether you decide to go or stay, it won't bother me at all. Whether you go or stay or do that decision or that decision, it's not going to bother me, affect me in any way, and they can give you some clear, objective counsel, But some of you, though, you have friends, and this is how our friendships work many times, is our friend cares more about the relationship than they do about the individual. And that's not always a bad friend. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have them as friends. But some people, their concern is to keep the friendship intact because they love the friendship, and they want the friendship, and they don't want to lose you as a friend. But they don't necessarily elevate your personal needs above the friendship. Some friends are reluctant to tell you the truth sometimes because they know you'll get mad and offended and it'll break up the friendship. So they they pull back, they withhold. Does that make sense? You need to find some people, they got nothing to gain, they got nothing to lose by telling you the truth. Number two is this, you need to choose people who are where you wanna be in life. When you think about your marriage, young couples out there, you need to go find somebody who has a marriage that you would like to model after. You need to find somebody that you say, man, I love how they do, they do. Parenting, same thing. You know, parent, you'll go talk to parents and they'll have this, well, you know, I, we made a lot of mistakes and, you know, we're not perfect, but, you know, they got five kids. They're all like missionary doctors on scholarships and they're like, if, if just one of your kids turned out like one of them, you'd be ecstatic. You need to go to them and say, hey, I recognize that you did a great job. Can I just kind of like peek at your, at your notes? Can I look at the map that you used to get there? Just just, just tear off a corner of the map. I'll just take a little piece. Anything I can do to glean some wisdom. Because again, the problem with being naive or the problem with not having experience is that you don't know what you don't know. Think about it. You you don't even know what you don't know. Sometimes that's what I do, and I'll I'll share this with you. Sometimes the question I ask is, what is the question I need to be asking right now? That's how lost I may be, I don't even know that I'm asking the right question. So we look for people who are already where we wanna be, whether it's as a business person, as a mom, as a dad, as a husband, at whatever arena of life, and we say, hey, can I share in your map, your blueprint, whatever you did to get there, I wanna glean from that person. Number three is, is this, is if possible, ask more than one person. Leaning on just one person is only going to give you one view, one angle. I'm telling you, go into at least two, maybe even three people. Number four, choose someone you know if you can. Choose someone you know and choose someone you don't. Like sometimes just finding somebody that you're not too close with, you're not personally attached to, sometimes they can give you the cleanest and clearest advice. As a matter of fact, I ran into this just recently. There's, there's a church decision coming up soon that we're gonna make and introduce to you. And, and I remember talking to a number of different people and, and everybody was on board with the decision. But then I talked to this one guy. He's a, a business owner in town and it was by unique circumstances that we got connected together. I'm asking him about his deal. He's asking me about mine. I'm starting to tell him about this thing and he goes, So why are you doing it like that? And I'm like, "Uh, you know, I just seem to make the most sense. He goes, but wouldn't it make more sense to do that instead of that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, that really would. And I, again, didn't know I've never, you know, I only spent a couple of days with him and, and his input into just how to do things. just, met, And all of a sudden I took that decision, went it back to the board, said, hey, what do you think about this instead? That sounds great. Let's do this. And so, boom, we, we, we arrive at these things. But I don't want to make these decisions on my own. I want to have wise counsel speak into my life. And then lastly is this, is go into these conversations open to the fact that God might speak to you. Now, again, don't be weird. Tell them you're from another church if you do this, okay? But don't go up to them and say, I just want you to know that before lunch today, I prayed that God would speak through you. I mean, you're gonna kinda put them on edge a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, that's a lot of pressure. You know, I I thought we were showing up for lunch. I didn't know that the saith the Lord had to come out of my mouth in 10 minutes. So, you know, you've put a lot on my plate. So don't be, don't be like that, but be open to the fact, and here's the thing, is be open to the fact, who is it that God has put into my life, and when I go to them, be open to the fact that God might use them to speak into this decision-making process. Does that make sense? And I do this all the time. I sit with people, I meet with people. Some, some of the best, this is why I know God is, is in my life sometimes, is because some of the most brilliant things that come out of my mouth, they're nothing I thought about, <laughs> had a great conversation, it came out, it was the Holy Spirit, it wasn't really of me, and I'm like, wow, that's, that really is smart. I should do that too. And so, and so there's these moments, but I didn't go into those conversations, I didn't go to have coffee or go to have lunch thinking, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak the wisdom and counsel of God today, I didn't do that. I just went in there to love somebody and help somebody in any way that I could, and something came out of it. And so these moments are not necessarily kind of uh, you know, orchestrated in advance, they're not manipulated. But you think about the people that God's put around you. And then when you meet with them to seek their advice, be open to the fact that God might use them to get you into the sweet spot. Now here's what I want you to ask them, all right? So if, and if you don't have these people, you need to begin to pray now and pray, God, send wise counsel and wise people into my life, to speak into my life. Start praying that prayer now, but when you meet with them, here's, the, here's a few questions I want you to ask them. Number one is this, is what's the wise thing to do? Like, isn't that the most basic thing in the world? We've talked about this. This is the question that solves 90% of life's dilemmas, isn't it? Like, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my past experiences, my present circumstances, my future hopes and dreams, like, what's the wise thing to do? Number two is this. What would you do if you were me? I mean, these are basic questions. What would you do if you were in my shoes? And then lastly is this, is what questions am I not asking? Like, what am I not even thinking about that I should be thinking about? What am I not considering that, that I should be considering? Because I'm telling you, people that have more experience and wisdom in the arena of life that you're trying to make that decision, they will open up all kinds of ideas and thoughts that haven't even crossed your mind. They will make you aware and consider things that never even cross through your brain. Why? Because they've been there before. This is the principle of wise counsel. And if you will lean on this, now again, look at all the scriptures that we read today. We read like six, seven different scriptures out of the book of Proverbs that all said the same thing. Seek wise counsel. Which begs the question like, why don't we do this more often? Sometimes we don't do it because we don't have those people around us. You need to pray and you need to, now, now let me help you real quick here. The Bible says seek wise counsel. It doesn't say wait for wise counsel to come find you and beat it into you. It's up to you to pursue wise counsel. They're not gonna hunt you down. As a matter of fact, what I've always learned is that wise people never hunt me down to give me their advice. Do you know why? It's because that would be a foolish move and they're already wise. They don't do things like that. You know what I'm saying? So you have to go seek wise counsel. If you don't have it, go find it. But you know the big two reasons that I found that we don't do this? And guys, we know this because this is why we drive around for hours and won't ask for directions. It's stubbornness, isn't it? We just drive faster and get angry, we don't stop. I know where I am, anyway. Stubbornness keeps us from. A certain amount of pride, and and I've seen it in in both men and women, a pride that just says, I'm too proud to ask for help. A person that is too proud to ask for help is a fool. At some point you need to recognize that you're not objective enough, And you don't have all the perspective, and you don't have all the life experience to glean. It's not all there. The wisest thing, and therefore the the most humble thing to do, would be to seek wise counsel. Don't let stubbornness stop you from actually living in the sweet spot of life. And then, you know, this is the last thing here, that I found the reason why we don't. You know the reason why many of us don't seek wise counsel? Because we already know in our heart what they're going to tell us, and we don't want to hear it like, I already know. I know if I go see Pastor Todd, that whole moral will of God thing's gonna come up and I already know I shouldn't be there, 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 and there. Or it's just something that's just kind of foolishness or it's just something that's not why. And, and you just know, if I, go to, if, if I go to my dad, I know he's gonna tell me. If I know if I go to this person, I know if I go to this person, I know what they're gonna tell me. Listen, please, please hear this. If that wells up with inside of you, when you think about asking for wise counsel, that should be like a huge fire alarm ringing off in your heart that something is not right. That there is an emotional attachment that is superseding wisdom. That there's something in you, there's an addiction, there's a temptation, there's some type of weird need being met there and you're just unwilling to let it go. I mean like fire alarms, red lights, sirens, it should all be going off saying something's not right here, be careful you're going down a wrong path. Be careful. Because if you're afraid to go seek wise counsel because you know what they're going to say and you just don't want to hear it, you are headed down a path of sorrow. God wants to protect you from that. I know when I look back at my life, too, you know, one of the biggest decisions I ever made, I would say it's the second biggest decision I ever made. The first decision was to follow Jesus. But the second was who I would marry. I remember being a young man and being in college and, and had this girlfriend and, and. You know, I was a Christian, and so when you're a Christian, you're just committed to your commitments. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but, like, you're committed, you know, because you're a Christian. You're committed. And we're in this relationship, and, and, and the relationship is going in ways that it shouldn't go, and it's, it's not healthy, and it's not good, but I'm not objective. I can't see. There's puppy love in the air, and she's pretty, so, like, I'm, I'm lost. I, no objectivity. And so I start heading down these paths, and, 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 and when I get out of the relationship, I look back on it, and I think, Holy cow, that was so unhealthy. Like, we were unhealthy. We were terrible for each other. I think we made each other worse. It's human beings. I mean, we're just, what what, what a terrible relationship. And I look back and I I look at my friends and I think, why why didn't anybody ever warn me? Why didn't everybody say anything to me? Well, number one, they're as dumb as I am. You know what I didn't have as, as a college student? I didn't have any wise counsel. Like, I didn't have anybody that was in my life and I didn't know to go to them to ask the tough questions. Hey, what do you think about this relationship? What do you think about this person? How do you think, if this, if this was, and, and let him in on it. I didn't have that. Fast forward a few years, I moved to Michigan, and I'm working in a church, and, and, and there's a really pretty girl in the church. And uh, she's older than me too, which is a part of the game. <sighs> Can I land the older woman? She's so cute, and she's really just pretty. And, and she, but she's godly too, like, like, and that's hot. Like cute godly, that's, that's, that's hot. And um, not like weird stuffy religious, but like just godly, like a purity of heart, high character, I mean just uh, hot. And, um, and I remember, you know, starting to flirt, and it took a while, but um, I finally, you know, get her to go out on a date with me, and we start dating, and things start moving forward, and, and, and I think I'm, I'm eventually dragging my feet a little bit because I'm still such a young man. And, and I remember, you know what the difference was? I had wise counsel in my life, though. And I remember going to my pastor, who was also my mentor and a friend of mine, and I went to him, I said, hey, what do you think? He said, Todd, you're an idiot if you don't. I thought, best decision I ever made in my life outside of following Jesus was the woman that I married. This is the best decision ever. But I could have missed it. Had I just done what was in my heart to do, or had I just done what my dumb friends would have been doing, I I, I I probably would have missed it. When I didn't have wise counsel in my life, down a path of sorrow. When I had wise counsel in my life, and I submitted those decisions, and I'm telling you, I don't make major decisions without going to wise counsel. I don't even really make medium-sized decisions without going to wise counsel. I do get dressed by myself on most days, but I mean, like, I'm telling you, I pursue wise counsel, and I'm I'm telling you, if I could literally go down the list, every time I followed wise counsel, God blessed it. And when I did it, usually it never turned out quite as good as I wanted it to. I'm telling you, when you need to make a decision, especially in crunch time, especially with a deadline, if you will pursue wise counsel, the people that we talked about today, godly, older, experienced, wise people who are where you want to be in life, who live uprightly before God, who have the marriage you want to have or who have the the financial uh, level of stewardship that you want to have. I'm telling you when you pursue them. The Bible is very, very clear. The Bible says, he who walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools is destroyed. Let's pray this morning. Father, we pray that God, we would actually walk out of this place and apply what we have been shown today. God, through the scripture, through the text. God, we don't want to be like Rehoboam, who just listened to people who are as, inexperienced, or as lacking wisdom as we are. God, we pray that God, for, for those of those people out there that say, I don't have wise counsel, God, I pray that you would send people around them, God. Some, some, some older men, some older women, some godly men, some godly women would begin to appear in their life. And that God, I pray that we would go to them when it comes to those big decisions, even the medium decisions, God have them speak into it because they see something we don't see and they know stuff that we don't know and they've been through things we've never been through and they know the questions to ask that we don't even know to ask them. And so God, for those of us who are a little bit stubborn, God, we pray that God, by forcing ourselves to go and ask, just by doing that alone, that the pride would break off our heart. And God, for those of us who are on a dangerous path and we already know what they're going to say, God, we pray that you would wake us up this morning. God, we want your best. God, I believe your best is better than my best. God, your best is the sweet spot of life. In your best, I have peace. In your best, I have joy. In your best, I have great relationship. In your best, God, I'm, I'm fruitful. In your best, I'm doing kingdom work. In your best, God, it's just amazing. And so God, we want your will operating in our lives, God. Help us to lean on the principle of wise counsel as we move forward, Lord. God, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, we all say, amen.